0: Good evening everybody and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes and with me as always is Caleb Jenks and tonight we are talking about creation versus evolution. Does it matter? Does it matter what you believe? And obviously tonight I'm talking to Christians. Does it matter what you believe? And we think it does or we wouldn't be doing this as a topic. So with that, Uh, This is part two. We went over quite a bit of information in our first hour on creation versus evolution. And today we're going to go over a little bit more stuff that we didn't get to last week. So I want to start out with a quote by a fella named George Wald. Now, if you don't know who he is, that's okay. But he did win a Nobel Prize, and he is a biology professor from Harvard University. And what he said was, let's see, is this, there it goes. Okay. He said, when it comes to the origin of life, we have only two possibilities. Spontaneous generation arising to evolution. The other is a supernatural creative act of God. There is no third possibility. Spontaneous generation was scientifically disproved a hundred years ago by Louis Pasteur. That leads us scientifically to only one possible conclusion that life arose as a supernatural, creative act of God. I will not accept that philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible. Spontaneous Generation Arising to Evolution.
1: I love it. Somebody that's honest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, right? Isn't that refreshing? Well, and Caleb, there are actually books written. One famous one is called So Their Words May Be Used Against Them. And the entire book is nothing but quotes from evolutionary um, believers, most all of them are professors. Many of them are (laughs) at the top of their field. And every once in a while, they have a um, random act of honesty, of intellectual honesty, where they tell the truth and they explain how ridiculous the theory of evolution is.
1: If they don't, somewhere during their life, usually on their deathbed, at least have a moment there
0: <laughs> where yeah. they
1: finally let their guard down and they're like, well.
0: So, the reason I bring this up is because as George Wald said, he does not believe in a supernatural creative force because he chooses not to believe in God. He doesn't believe that there is a scientifically viable option. He just chooses not to believe in God and Caleb the reason that people believe in evolution is not because of the overwhelming evidence if whenever you get into it with a an evolutionist I always ask him I go I cut right to the quick I say look tell me your top three reasons why you believe in evolution I don't, oh, there's so much evidence. Okay, great. Then it should be easy to give me three outstanding examples. What do you hang your hat on? And you can, it's always the same stuff. I've never heard someone bring something up that was really unique or really impressive. And you can get right into it very quick. And and you often find that people either have believed a lie or, They just heard something and they're like, yep, good enough. And they never even look into it. And the reason they don't look into it is because they want to believe in the theory of evolution. And there's only one reason to believe in the theory of evolution. And that is to deny the existence of God. People don't like the idea that they were created. And one day they will have to stand before their creator. Because you see, whoever pays the pipe or calls the tune, so to speak if god's the creator well guess what he gets to make up the rules and he wrote down the rules he made a bunch of them you know usually you can find them in these black leather bound books okay this one's brown but people don't want to follow what the bible says okay they don't want to be accountable for their lifestyle for the sin that they choose and the easiest way to avoid just, those things is to deny the existence of God. Jump on in, buddy. Sorry, I waited. I'm until just
1: going yeah, to add coffee. one point. I'm just going to add one point to that. And that is, I've talked to quite a few uh, people that do believe um, in uh, evolution. Some of them are actually Christians. Some of them are not. But quite a few of them, when I asked them what convinced them, or what their best argument for evolution was, oftentimes they had none, <clears throat> but they were the first to raise their hands and say, yeah, I believe in evolution. So when I questioned them further rather than just asking them what to convince them, because they, could, they couldn't they bring a very strong argument for it, oftentimes um, I would ask them, when did the youth first come to this belief? And most of them I found it was in high school, which is interesting. Um, that if this high school, some.
0: Caleb, you are so choppy. Your audio is not even coming through. I'm getting one out of every 10 words, and your video has frozen. So we are really struggling right now. I don't know why, but um, for whatever reason, uh, something's not working. So. As soon as you come back in, it works. Please jump on in. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, There you go, so try it again. So I'm just gonna take over here, folks, and I'm gonna go over uh, a couple ideas. So Caleb wanted me to go over one thing, which we are gonna call, mm -mm, let's do it that way. Okay, so this is called the day-age theory. Now. I wanted to go over this, we didn't touch on this last week, and this is one of many types of what we call theistic evolution, and this is the idea that God somehow used the theory of evolution, God used the evolutionary processes in order to get... um, the world where it is so god didn't supernaturally create it for some reason nobody knows why but people like to think that god used evolution now we know god didn't need to i don't know why we would think that he did or that he wanted to and and quite frankly he says emphatically in exodus Exodus 31 that he made everything in six days he didn't say that he used millions and billions of years and the theory of evolution and there are lots of theological problems with this, but I wanted to go over this uh, day-age theory simply because uh, Caleb asked me to do so. Caleb, you're back in with us. Do you want to jump in, or do you want me to just keep going with what I'm doing here?
1: Yeah, hey, uh, I think I, I'm not sure how much of my point came through before, and if my connection's better.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh, it's way better. You're crystal clear, and we hear you and see you. And it's all I moved better.
1: to. I moved to a different part of the building tonight, and apparently the Wi-Fi connection isn't great here, so I just shut my Wi-Fi off. Okay. Um, so yeah, the idea oftentimes gets planted in the in the mind during public education somewhere along the line. It seems to be um, that they were convinced somehow in high school or somewhere along the line they were convinced that um, evolution is the most scientifically backed process, and they just there's too much scientific evidence to the mountain of scientific evidence is so strong against the Bible. They just can't possibly believe the Bible, but they don't really know what that evidence is. They can't remember the arguments that were made. They apparently were convincing to the teenage brain at the time mm-hmm. that they were presented. Um, but, um, uh, like I was mentioning, most of the time, um, philosophy majors in college and, um, you, you're not going to, they, they, they wait to present some of these more, uh, complex arguments until you're in college because oftentimes teenagers don't really give the time of day to uh, philosophy ideology in in grade school or high school that's really not really what your mind is focused on the most at the time so a lot of them really don't know why they're just they were told to believe it and they believe it so that was that was my experience anyway continue sorry
0: no, you're okay. So we were touching on what's called the day-age theory. So this is where Christians try to blend the two, and they try to figure out a way to make evolution work with the Bible. Now, I, Caleb, I, I wish we had someone that believed this so we could find out why, or if we had a former believer. In the okay. Well, do you want me theory.
1: to? Do you want me to? I'll go ahead and uh, tell you why.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Let so, me render a guess.
1: Okay. okay? Yeah. Go ahead.
0: They're tired of arguing with their friends who believe in the theory of evolution, so they say, "Oh yeah, that that's fine. That lines up with the Bible. God could have just used that,
1: rather yeah, ba- than saying basically, no, if they were wrong.
0: Okay, the Earth is only is less than ten thousand years old, and God didn't use millions or billions of years, and this theory of evolution is nonsensical." And they got tired of standing up and saying that. And being made fun of is if that, they were in, that yeah, if they were
1: if they were intellectually honest, they would give that explanation. Unfortunately, like many other things that get doctrinally messed up from the Bible, <clears throat> the best way to do it, if you're a pastor or a theologian and you're going to try to convince people that the the uh, day age theory works, you're going to say, "Well, according to the Hebrew version of the of the." <laughs> The story in Genesis, it says that God created it in six days, and the Hebrew word for day is tov, and tov also has other meanings, and it can mean um, a, an age or a, a period of time, a length of time. And so, therefore, since we have all this overwhelming evidence that the earth is four and a half billion years old, or the universe is however 18 billion years old, or however old they say it is, then, of course, we have all this overwhelming evidence that we have to somehow reconcile with the fact that there's a problem with the creation story and narrative and since obviously the scientists are right here and we have this old earth and we have evidence and proof that it's way older than the six thousand years that the that the literal timeline in the bible is then we got to find some other way and so they take this day as an age theory and they say that it's somehow a biblical concept which is absolute nonsense but anyway go ahead (laughs)
0: No, you're, I think you're right on. And that's what I always figured was they're just trying to get around the people. Okay. Let me tell you this folks. And, and, and we're getting off the subject and that's okay. Cause we're talking about the Bible. People do not enjoy standing up against the masses and they definitely don't enjoy doing that for the Bible. I do. There's nothing more I like than starting a fight over the Bible. And I'm not, and, and I only do it with Christians. I'm not talking about non-believers. I'm very nice to non-believers and I listen to their stupid ideas and, 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 I'm, you know, I handle them with kid gloves. Christians who have been in church for 10 plus years or people that have been raised in church their whole life. I am brutal with them when they tell me that the Bible is wrong and that, that, you know, this and so is fine. Nope, not gonna happen, not in my house, buddy, okay? If I'm within earshot, you are gonna hear me stand up and call you a moron. So, day-age theory, the idea that days were actually not millions or billions of years, or I'm sorry, that, that the days were not actual 24-hour days, <clears throat> the idea that the days were actually millions or billions of years. Okay, so the first thing I wanna tackle here Is Caleb answer me this question? If the days in the beginning, the six days where God created everything, were millions of years, why didn't God just say they were millions of years?
1: Exactly. Okay, so there's there's no there's there's no logical explanation. Well, Well, it would actually make God a liar it would make God a liar because he later over and over again repeats this. He repeats it. In, and Jesus repeats it in the new Testament. It's repeated. Yeah. And like you mentioned last week in the 10 commandments, in it Exodus said that we're supposed to wrote. rest on the seventh day, just like God yep. rested on the seventh day. He created the earth yep. in six literal days and people yep. were getting stoned for, yeah. <laughs> for, not, for not working in the seventh millionth year of their life. Yeah. It wasn't like you could live I for know. six million years and you work, and then in the seventh 7, the 7, seven millionth year, millionth year yeah. then, you, then you'd take a rest.
0: Well, so this is something that I've heard this argument come up. Well, you know, nobody was familiar with numbers that big back in the Bible days, right? Because everyone was just stupid back in they the, in the 10, days of Bible. They needed a
1: update on their yeah. calculators.
0: No one, yeah, yeah, they needed a couple more beads on their, um, uh, 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 what, is, what is it called? The abacus. Um, <laughs> so they, they weren't able to count that high. Okay, so this is nonsensical. So I just want to show you. In Genesis 24, verse 60, we find the number one, a billion used. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 10, we find the numbers million and hundred million used. And in Revelation chapter 9, verse 16, we find the numbers 200 million used. So God uses large numbers of millions and hundred millions and billions throughout the Bible. So this is not, this isn't, a concept people couldn't understand. This is something that we read about in the Bible from cover to cover in the books of Moses and the prophets and the new Testament. This is not a strange idea. So the, uh, the thought that, Oh, people just couldn't understand what a million was. And that, you know, so God just called it a day. Okay. It's nonsensical and it doesn't line up with the Bible. It doesn't hold water. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. All right, Go so, ahead, jump in, jump in. Oh,
1: well, while you're still on the age theory, I have yeah. heard one verse that people get confused mm-hmm. on, and I wanted to uh, see if you have any thoughts you on want it. You so to I just turn to 2 Peter now? <laughs> yeah, a day is a thousand years. Yeah. Do you think God was redefining terms there? Because No. <laughs> N- n- yeah, he yeah. also All says sudden, that in Christ there is neither male nor female neither Jew nor Gentile so that yeah. means that if I want to marry a man I can marry a man yep. and if I want to say I'm a, I'm a female I can say I'm a female if I want to say yep. I'm a thousand so. years old I can be a thousand Jesus is in the business of redefining terms right?
0: yeah and 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 no that's not the case and, and we're going to see this in a little bit when we go over the word day which I'm going to do in just a couple of slides here so the only time you ever, ever, ever find a day, meaning anything other than a literal day, is in prophecy, period. That is it. Okay, It's the only place it ever happens. In Second Peter, he was not making an argument that days can be interchangeably used for a thousand years. And by the way, Caleb, if you want to say that days are a thousand years, go ahead. That doesn't help the evolutionary argument, anymore, okay? No, that the creation no. week took six thousand years. Go ahead, They're still way outside of like the scope.
1: There,
0: yeah, that doesn't <laughs> help. You know, uh, uh, Darwinian evolution from amoeba to man. Okay, it doesn't help it at all. So, <clears throat> okay, so let's take a look at this, Caleb. So I put I put the chart up on the screen, but because people might just be listening to the podcast and not seeing this video. Okay, let's go over the six days. What did God make on day number one? Can you remember? If not, look at the visual aid in it
1: The heavens you. and the the heavens and the earth.
0: Correct. Okay, so God made the earth, God made the heaven, and God made light. Okay, what did God day on make on day number two? What did God make on day number two? Um
1: mm. I help you star- with this
0: one. The, Everyone the stars- misses this. No.
1: Nope. Okay. The, movie hey, the stars- uh,
0: Day number two was the firmament. Okay. God right. made the firmament. Sky. Now, mo- Yeah. Now, most people don't understand what that is, and I'm not going to get off onto it today. Okay. But, uh, and it's not needed for, for the point we're making. So, day number three, what did God make, Caleb? Uh,
1: wasn't it the land and plants where he separated the waters?
0: So, yes, God made uh, all the plants. Okay. So, then... What did God make on day number four? Now, my picture is missing something. I got all the stars and the, the, the moon. I'm missing he also the, sun. the sun. Yeah, the, yeah, the sun's right. supposed to be there. Okay, so here's my question, Caleb. So if God made all the plants on day number three, and each one of these days is actually an age of thousands or millions or billions of years, how did those plants survive without the sun he made on day number four? Good point. Yeah, and how did those plants survive without things like bees that pollinate and animals that pollinate all these plants that he made on day number five? So you have to throw out more than just the idea that the day is not a day. It's actually a thousand or a million or a billion years. You also also have a whole lot of problems as far as uh, chronologically speaking, um you uh these days don't work out with each other that no one addresses that keep in mind people are just looking for reasons to um reject the bible okay so then we get to the word day so the word day is used with a number 359 times in the old testament do you know what that word means every single time caleb
1: I'll just take a while, means
0: guess. means a day. I mean, a day. Yeah, it means an actual <laughs> day. Okay. Whether seven days or five days or 40 days or whatever it was, it always means a day. As a matter of fact, what's crazy about the Genesis account is that people don't take any of it literally until you get to chapter three. And some people don't even want to take that literally. And they say, okay, well, well, when it gets to chapter four, then we take it literally. But everything else, that's, you know, that's just figuratively. So, okay. So God also, in the Genesis account, gives us parameters of the days. Do you know what he says about every day? That there's an evening and a morning. Now, I don't know where you get an evening and a morning. Of a thousand years, or a million beer years, or a billion years. Okay? <laughs> Maybe
1: after a million beers. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Forgive me. I'm tired. I had a long day. Okay, so let's go over a couple more. Uh, the word "day" plus the numbers use 410 times, and every time it means a day. Evening and morning together, without uh, the word "day," is used 38 times. It always is talking about a day. The evening and the morning with the word "day" 23 times always means a day. And night and day, used 52 times, always means a day. Now, here's the thing. You need to run the first three chapters of Genesis through the 10-year-old test. Have a 10-year-old read those chapters and ask them, did God make everything in six days? Or did God take millions or billions of years? Or just ask the kid, how long did it take God to make everything? They're all going to say six days. Nobody uses the plain teaching of the Bible and comes up with anything other than just the word day. Okay, so Caleb, I'm going to hide you and I'm going to make this big just so I can read it, but we can still hear you. You're not muted, or at least I don't think you are. Uh, Let me read this quote. Probably so far as I know, there is no professor of Hebrew or Old Testament at any world-class university who dares not believe that the writers of Genesis 1 through 11 intended to convey to their readers the idea that creation took place in a series of six days, which are the same as the days of 24 hours we now experience." That is Professor James Barr, who is a professor at uh, the University of Oxford. So, When you're going through and looking at the word day, everybody, everybody, everywhere in the Bible believes that it is just a day. And that includes Hebrew scholars who are both secular and who are religious. They all believe that God was talking about a day. Now, if you don't want to believe that, that's fine. But stop saying that God meant something else. Cause he did not, he did not mean something else. So that's the day age theory in a nutshell. What else you got for me?
1: Uh, we talked, we talked about, so there's really, um, we talked about the gap theory a little bit last, last time, which I don't think we need to devote much time to that. So there's yeah. the, both Patrick and I, um, are, are mocked and ridiculed, not just by evolutionists and, um, atheists that, that dislike the Bible, where also anybody that takes a literal view of the Bible is mocked by many other Christians and even creationists that would say, well, Yes, we believe in the creation story, but let's not be so foolish and so fundamental that we mm-hmm. would take a literal young earth creation where we, where we look at things and say, this looks like it happened 6,000 years ago, as the Bible says. We're going mm-hmm. to take things a little bit more logically and kind of mesh the stories with those of the... Um, the scientific community though they'll, they'll they'll call mm-hmm. it and so that's where they'll come up with the the gap theory which i mentioned the other day where they they think that there was this expanse of time between the first uh first verse or two of genesis or the first verse of genesis and the rest of genesis there where it, it says in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and now the earth is formless and void and darkness is on the face of the deep and the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters and they say that that could have been for millions or billions of years. And then God said, let there be light. And then the rest of it takes place, which mm-hmm. um, Patrick and I, either of us would be happy to, to take a literal viewpoint on it. I don't think that science um, in any way is in conflict with a literal viewpoint of, of God creating the earth in six days. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be that would be uh, what 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 could you think of that would pop into the mind of a Christian? Um, That would be so convincing about evolution that they would feel it necessary to possibly change the storyline of the Bible in order to somehow support this theory, which is not. So in science, they use they I would say at the best they've come up with a theory. They have not it's not turned Mm -hmm. to a fact they have. There's a hypothesis that this is this is the um, this is the argument that we're going to make. But Mm -hmm. then you have to make the argument and nobody's really made the argument and had and had facts to back it up. In fact, Darwin even doubted it and said he he said, well, if it were as I say it is, I'm paraphrasing Mm -hmm. terribly, but he basically says if it were as I as I say it is, then we should be able to eventually find uh, uh, we should be able to dig up. And find evidence, evidence fossils are
0: surely going to show up. You got it. Yeah. yeah of of life if at re- all the various the,
1: stages. And 150 mm-hmm. years later now, we've found life mm-hmm. at zero of those various different stages that they claim that we have to have had to bridge the gap from life beginning as a single cell organism to being what it is now and all the different Correct. varieties of life.
0: Okay. So let me show you this. Okay. This here is an amorite. Okay. Or I'm sorry. I think it's called an ammonite. So for whatever reason, my camera is not focusing on this very well, but you can see, this is the fossil, okay, of a shell and out of this side, you have lots of squid-like tentacles coming out and this is a creature that was supposed to live, I don't know, whatever, millions or billions of years ago, I don't care, put whatever number you want on it. Okay, so Caleb, then they found another one and it was slightly different, okay? No, I'm serious. This is what they do. Okay. So they find two fossils and they're slightly different from one another. Okay. So Caleb, what does that prove?
1: Microevolution.
0: No, 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 no. Okay. What does it actually prove? This is a fossil. Would you agree? Okay. This is a
1: real fossil. What does this fossil prove? That something existed in that shape or form at some point in time, right? Okay. And then, then what happened? um obviously it was covered with mud or something something happened and it died and it's it It was preserved right you got it
0: okay do you know that's all a fossil proves that something died that's it it doesn't prove that it had kids let alone different kids okay right you can line up as many fossils as you want all it proves is that something died
1: when we're using something else died that was slightly different (laughs) There you go. Right. Okay,
0: when we're at when you're we're using empirical science. That's all it proves. That's a, you can line up every fossil on planet Earth and all the ones they're going to discover over the next five hundred or a thousand years. It doesn't prove a thing. Okay, right. all it proves is that something died. We don't even know hey, so- if it was able to have kids.
1: Okay, so just on that point, though, say that say that it did prove microevolution. If it did prove that over however many years that there was some difference between one thing mm-hmm. and that it had changed a little bit over time to become something a little bit different, okay, that still so, does not get us at mm-hmm. all anywhere close mm-hmm. to scientific evidence for macroevolution from the point sure. of single cell organisms to being. I mean, all we, the way we can see you and we can see now in the way that obviously they've bred dogs and dogs have changed you know you got different crossbreeds of dogs and you can see that there's mm-hmm. microevolution as you could call it i mean they're really borrowing to me they're borrowing from god's natural laws of what actually happens the cause and effect and mm-hmm. they're using that as a as a way to i mean you never you can never sell a lie without a little truth in it so they've borrowed sure. from something that you, that they can see in nature that works and they are trying to ascribe that as the theory that makes their nonsense more believable to say well if you can Mm -hmm. see that a dog now might look a little bit different than a dog did 300 years ago then obviously Mm -hmm. maybe it used to be that it was a snail not a dog and it turned into a (laughs) dog over time but even with all of man's um intellect and an intelligent breeder behind it they have Mm -hmm. not been able to cross genetics beyond a certain barrier within they still can't cross a dog with a goat or a monkey with a human there's mm-hmm. genetic barriers where um, the dna and the they're called chromosomes make, make it, chromosomes exactly the, and you can not there can't,
0: are certain numbers of chromosomes within each kind of animal and no matter what you try to do okay you can't get them to breed with each other and, and you can't you can't have you can't make new types of animals it's impossible, and people don't understand. Chromosomes aren't just a little colorful picture, okay? It, it's if you were to talk about pages of information, just to take a piece of paper uh, on a word file with written out information, okay? You are talking about pallets and pallets of information, and these are the blueprints for creating everything, every chemical inside you, for making feathers and wings versus. Uh, gills or lungs, okay, and, and this information doesn't just come out of nowhere. As a matter of fact, the only thing we ever prove is that uh, information gets lost over time, okay, There and, and what those are called are mutations, and what you find is that there are no such things as beneficial mutations. Mutations are always horrible, horrible things, okay? Dr. Xavier and the X-Men have lied to you, Okay, mutations are not these wonderful things we find in fairy tales. There is no parent that wishes and hopes and prays that their kid will be a mutant. Okay, that never happens. They are always atrocities. Uh, and they almost exclusively lead to a very premature death.
1: Okay, so so, so, so yeah, my point there is if if mm-hmm. highly trained scientists working in labs that span mm-hmm. that these projects span Tens of years, hundreds of mm-hmm. years, where they've tried to break these laws, these natural laws that are in place that that prohibit macro evolution from happening. If they can't uh-huh. do it, how is it that we think that if there was no intelligent design, no sure. no Nature brain behind it it, accident? It, that it happens naturally over time on accident? It uh, it well, scientifically it doesn't now work.
0: What you well, and it doesn't, and and what you're talking about is called the law of entropy. The fact is, everything on Earth tends to disorder. Nothing over time becomes more organized. Everything tends towards chaos. You can have as many hurricanes uh, roll through a junkyard as you want. It'll never leave behind a functioning automobile. It'll never leave behind a Boeing 747. For that matter, Caleb, let me give you the, okay, here's an experiment all you kids can go home and try. Now I'm not suggesting you do this, but you're going to get the point real quick. Okay. If you take a frog and you throw that frog into a blender and you turn that blender on. Okay. Let that thing hum for a minute or two. Now, Caleb, at the end of that would you agree that in that blender you have all the ingredients necessary to make a frog
1: oh yeah and plus obviously um, could you possibly right? even introduce some other beneficial ingredients like some some oxygen <laughs> some energy in with the matter oh yeah you okay. got you got now, all the ingredients you need
0: now take those ingredients and you can Do whatever you want to them. You can add any amount of energy in any way that you see fit. Okay, You can add any additional chemicals that you want in any amounts. I don't care. Do whatever you want to those ingredients. Will you ever make one single living cell, let alone an entire frog? No. Now, you have all the ingredients for a frog. All of them, they're in there. It's frog soup. But it ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. And people Uh, actually expect me to believe that nature on its own accidentally came up with life. It's absolutely asinine. Okay, let me go over. They got
1: science. They got science in their corner. So
0: see, and it's so funny because you know that's their that's their argument. And really they don't. They absolutely do not. Okay, so Caleb, let's go over something here. The scientific method, Mm -hmm. it's very simple. We form a hypothesis. We have this idea and we say, you know what? I think this is how something works. And then what we do is we go about testing that hypothesis and we run several experiments. And at the end of it, we find out if there is evidence supporting our idea or if there is evidence proving our idea wrong. Okay, then it's back to the drawing board. We either change the hypothesis or we scrap it all together because it's garbage, or we say, look, it's working just as, just as I thought, we need to keep going with this. And we can do this with real good hypotheses like Bernoulli's principle, like Boyle's gas laws, like the laws of thermodynamics, I can go on and on and on all day stating scientific laws and explaining how they work because I've done the experiments. I've taken science classes. I've gone through this. But that's not what happens because one thing in all of those experiments is the same, and that is the ability to falsify the hypothesis. The scientific method only works if there is a way to prove the hypothesis wrong. Right. And if that does otherwise, not exist, not otherwise, what are we doing? If we <laughs> right. can't prove it wrong and no matter what we demonstrate and test, it's always going to be true, then guess what, retard? It's called liberalism.
1: <laughs> okay, and so you bring you bring up a really good point, And that is, so they've the the whole evolution which evolution has been around since before darwin obviously darwin's grandfather was an evolutionist but darwin is Mm -hmm. who made it really popular Mm -hmm. so in my in my opinion if you were going to try to spin a tale that you Mm -hmm. can't disprove scientifically the perfect way Mm -hmm. to do that is spin the tail and make it such that there are things that happened millions or billions of years ago that have we've now evolved away from those things so far that there's no way mm-hmm. to even go back and do experiments on the original theory that we have sure. so we have a hypothesis of things that happened years and years ago that no yeah. longer it's not not only was there no eyewitness account to prove uh-huh. it, there's no evidence to prove it, but there's also no way to actually experiment with it. And which, if it yep. was scientific, we would have to be able to experiment to. with it and be yep. able to have repeatable results that you Correct. could that you could actually uh, view the results and, and see the yep. objective results, like with real natural phenomena and real consequences that could be explained with the laws of physics that we understand. But of course. Yeah. We've evolved away from these things, so that's why we can't study it, right?
0: So they not only say that the theory of evolution cannot be put through a test that's falsifiable, they actually say it cannot be put through a test. There's no way to recreate the Big Bang. Okay, well, then guess what? It didn't happen. You know, there's no way to uh, reproduce life coming from non-living material. Well, and I hate to tell you, but Louis Pasteur and Francisco Reddy proved that true over 200 years ago with what was called the law of biogenesis. That's not new information. We already know life only comes from living material, but they still insist on believing that life could have come from natural processes. So we cannot falsify. Well, and actually we can falsify that. We've, we've done that i've been so many times over it's ridiculous okay but uh all these ideas in in the theory of evolution they say not only can we not run a test on them to falsify it they say we can't even run a test on it because to go from you know a single-celled organism to uh turn into an amphibian and that amphibian into a reptile and that reptile into a into a bird or a mammal it takes so many millions and millions of years there's no way to run a test on it well guess what you just described a fairy tale that's what you did okay and and caleb i got one for you okay uh this little girl who's a princess goes walking through the woods and she finds a frog and she picks up the frog and the frog whispers in her ear and says he's a prince and she kisses the frog and it turns into a prince is that scientific is that, a, is that a story that's based in science? No. What do we call that story? No, what type I, of story is that? What type of story is that? It's definitely it's a fairy tale. Fairy I, tale. I, I will now, say it's a lot right more right credibly.
1: Right. <laughs> Wait. Okay, go now, ahead. Now,
0: substitute a kiss for millions and millions of years, and guess what? The frog can turn into a prince. That's right. what they're selling you. Okay?
1: Well, and they I, don't believe
0: that's a fairy tale. That's based on science. And you're an idiot for not believing it.
1: Exactly. And I, I should say that um, the fairy tale of kissing the frog and having it turn into a prince is a lot more believable because it's, it actually, it's taking from two known things that actually we do know both exist Mm -hmm. and, and, and making some story up that, uh, that brings it from one thing to another. Whereas, the, the uh, creation story, everything in the creation story, not mm-hmm. only do we believe it exists, we can prove that it still currently exists, just as mm-hmm. it was stated in Genesis. Everything that God created and that we have evidence for at the beginning, we have evidence for now. As mm-hmm. opposed to the Big Bang Theory, they're going from nothing to mm-hmm. a little blob of something <laughs> that turns mm-hmm. into a little nothing blob of exploded. something more. Yeah. And so obviously they were going from evolving from only God knows what. Nobody has any idea what exactly it started at. It started as something, some little bit of matter that now mm-hmm. is turned into something. So they they say they have science, but they, they don't even have anything that they can prove that they're working from in the beginning and the, and the, the the theories that they come up with that they were working from in the beginning don't scientifically, you can't even run scientific tests on those things because they never existed in the first place. So it's more like the girl picks up a matter, a little blob of matter, and kisses it and turns into a prince. At okay. least she started with a frog, right? <laughs>
0: Okay, I want to get into something because we've mentioned this several times, okay? Caleb and I have mentioned that the earth, the outside age of the earth, is 10,000 years. That's as old as the earth could possibly be. Now, why does Patrick Hayes believe this? And I don't want to put words in Caleb's mouth, so maybe he believes something different, but we'll get to it. Okay, so I want to show you this. When we go through the Bible... What we do, if you go to Genesis chapters 5 and chapters 11, what you do is you add up the dates in the Bible given to us in the genealogies. So the Bible says that Adam, the first man, was 130 years old and he had a son named Seth. Seth lived 105 years and had a son named Enos. Enos lived 90 years and had a son named Canaan. Canaan had a son named Mahaliel, and you go on down the line. Well, what you find out is that we actually have, and let me go back to this so people can see it. Okay, we have dates in the Bible given to us in the genealogies from Adam down to Noah, from Noah down to Abraham, from Abraham to Moses, okay, and then from Moses all the way up to Jesus. So when you add, go ahead. So,
1: I can't. Yeah, I so, can't read the dates that you have on there. Obviously, you have all the dates in between as well.
0: Yeah. No. Now that's okay. <laughs> but the 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 point at the end of this is that when you add all the dates in the Bible up, you get to a number of roughly six thousand years ago, and this is not surprising because it is a group of seven. Because you find out that the last stage of Earth's history is going to be what we call the millennium. That is a thousand year period where Jesus rules in Jerusalem, sitting on an actual throne and ruling the world for a thousand years. And we believe that the earth has been here for six and we're about to enter the seventh. Now, understand that when we add up the dates in the Bible, it doesn't mean that we can tell you exactly when Adam and Eve were created because it gives us the ages within an 11 month period. So Adam was 130 years old and he had his son, Seth. Well, did he just turn 130? Or was he just about to turn 131? So the dates can be off by several months, but it brings us to within a year for every um, person and date in the genealogy so i'm not saying that we believe it's exactly this old but what we are saying is that there's an outside limit to how old the earth can be and the bible gives us dates for those we didn't just come up with them on our own we are saying that we believe what the bible says and the bible says that the earth is young now can i give a couple of proofs for a young earth and try to go through them quickly um, while we're here. Okay.
1: So just a quick rundown on that. So yeah. from Go from Adam it. to Abraham was about two, 2,000 years, right? Correct. From Abraham to, from Abraham to Jesus was another approximately two 2,000 thousand years. years. Correct. And now we're another approximately just over 2,000 years from Jesus. Also so that, correct. Right. So that's, so that's I mean, where the
0: dates land. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to show you an idea here and I'm going to bring this up. Okay. Right here. Okay, so this is what you have to understand. The theory of evolution, as described by Charles Darwin, requires millions and millions. I mean, hundreds of millions, even billions of years for this to happen, to go from a single-celled organism all the way to a human. So in order to disprove the theory of evolution, all I have to do is show you that the Earth is not that old. That's it. If I can do that, it's over. And it's very easy to do with just some natural earth science material in textbooks that you can find fourth graders reading. Okay, so the earth's magnetic field is getting weaker. Okay, so I'm gonna bring Caleb back in here. Okay, Caleb, if the earth's magnetic field is getting weaker, what does that mean it used to be?
1: Obviously stronger.
0: Obviously stronger. Very good. Okay, so if you, if you calculate the rate at which the, the Earth's magnetic field is getting weaker and you go back in time, you find out that there's an outside limit to how old the Earth can be. Okay, The Earth's magnetic field cannot be billions of years old. The oldest it could be is 10,000 years old maximum. If the Earth's magnetic field was any stronger than it was 10,000 years ago, uh, life could not exist on planet Earth. Pretty simple, right? Okay, so then we have another one. Did you know that the uh, the moon is leaving us? The moon is leaving Earth. Every year it gets further and further away. Now, Caleb, if the Earth is getting further and further away every year, that means in the past it used to be? Closer. Closer. Very good. <laughs>
1: I'm glad you keep bringing me in for these, this mind blowing (laughs) revelations
0: that you have. Okay. So.
1: And I, I I do have evidence for that because I did try to measure the distance from the earth recently and my tape measure is Mm -hmm. no longer long enough to reach. (laughs) So I know that this is, I know it's getting further away.
0: Okay, so the problem is when the moon gets closer to the earth, you have a gravitational pull problem. Okay, the force of attraction between two objects is inversely proportionate to the square of the distance between them. It's called the inverse square law. Now that was a bad time to yawn, right? When I was going over some very <laughs> boring material. Now Sorry. what this means is that <clears throat> when you bring the distance of the moon, into one-third of what it was, you take one over three, you invert it, and you square it. So when the moon is one-third the distance, the force of attraction is nine times as great. Well, that's a problem because you see the moon is responsible for the tides. And as the moon gets closer, you find out that the issue you run into is the tides would be so high that they would sweep right over the mountains and drown everything on Earth twice a day. And that doesn't work. You can only drown comfortably once a day. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to give you one more. Okay. Did you know that the speed at which the Earth is spinning? is slowing down. Well, if the earth spinning on its axis is slowing down, that means it used to be going faster, faster. So what you find is that the earth loses about 1/1000th one of a second every day. And when you go back through time, you find out that the earth loses about a third of a second every year. Well, when you do the math, you find out that roughly every 10,000 years, Earth's day was one hour shorter. Well, if you continue to go back in time, you find out that roughly 230,000 years ago, Earth was spinning like a top. Now, we know that that could not be the case because life couldn't exist if that were going on. But there are there are so many simple ways to show that the Earth cannot be millions and millions and millions of years old, and and any there's so many nonsensical arguments. People go, oh well, what if the Earth had energy added to it to make it spin faster? Okay, well, can you explain that? How did, you know, was that Atlas who got up and started spinning the Earth faster like a basketball? You know, so when we when we use actual science we measure what we can see we go to the world and we observe and we record the data and then we crunch the numbers we can see that the earth could not have been millions and millions of years old okay and that goes along with what the bible says the earth had to be very 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 young and there is a historical record of that i know a lot of you don't want to you know read that or believe it or you know have your life line up with it in any way um, but sorry, you know, the God that wrote the book is the God that created the world, and that's the God we're all gonna stand before one day. Okay, Caleb, I'm turning it over to you. Tell me what you think.
1: Um, uh, well, along those lines, obviously, if as Christians, if we want to believe the gospel of Jesus and um believe in salvation, but we want to discount the biblical historical count of creation. We run into a problem because either God is God and Jesus um, is was there creation, and the account is accurate, and Jesus reiterates that account, or or it's not, and so then mm-hmm. God isn't really God, Jesus isn't Jesus, your salvation is hinged on on a fairy tale. So it is important that we're not only able to accept the. Um, supernatural act of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the virgin birth of, of of Jesus, those are things that if we can accept those as a Christian, um, we should be willing to accept the Bible as factual for historical evidence uh, from the beginning, from, G- from Genesis 1. And I think it's problematic to think that you can be a Christian and d- deny creation as, as it's written. Um, so I think you mentioned Patrick the other day that, that Jesus um, and that, well, not, not sure. If, well, you did. You mentioned in John where it, it talks about Jesus mm-hmm. being there in creation. Um, yep. obviously, and then Colossians
0: 1.16 was the other verse that talks about okay. Jesus being the creator.
1: So, in Matthew uh, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 19 and um, not sure where I want to go with this here. Well, I'm just going to read it from the beginning because I can't remember where it was. Okay. So, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan, and great multitudes followed him, and he he healed them there. And the Pharisees also came to him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause, shall a man leave his father and uh, mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jesus goes on to then later reaffirm Moses, um, reaffirm what happened there with Moses as factual where Moses allowed them to, to give a certificate of divorce. So he right here uh, reaffirms creation having happened in the beginning uh, mm-hmm. that, that God created the male and female. Uh, Jesus, other other times, reaffirms the creation story, and I think that it's I think that it's really uh, interesting to 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 really wrap your ma- mind around this. So Jesus comes, and he's obviously was there at creation, and Jesus doesn't mm-hmm. question for a moment that creation mm-hmm. happened exactly like it was. Mm-hmm. He never says, "Well." In order to prove creation you know we have this evidence or this that evidence or if you know god obviously was able to use this natural law or that this natural phenomenon to create the earth he, there was no disputing it it was just it was as mm-hmm. it was so as followers of christ um taking a biblical literal biblical approach to creation to me is um, we're just walking in jesus footsteps and mm-hmm. you can um uh, there's uh, frank turek is a guy that's really good at, at making good arguments for creation, and it, you can you can watch some of his stuff. But one of the things that I that I find about these guys that that make a good argument for biblical Christianity and biblical creation is it goes hand in hand. If you're going to make a good argument for Jesus, mm-hmm. um, you should fo- follow in his footsteps philosophically to not just um, not just take the salvation part and Jesus was very very true to historical um, creation in that he never he never argues about anything in the Old Testament he always reaffirms the Old Testament whether it was the laws of Moses uh, whether it was the prophets whether it was creation story and so as Christians uh, to me as a follower of Christ that's part of my job when I give a defense for my faith is to like Jesus not ever ever falter from the truth Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so we have truth on our side, but only we're only on the side of truth as long as we embrace truth and whole truth and all of the truth. So if you're going to preach the gospel, but also along with preaching the gospel of, of salvation, you're going to mix in a little bit of um theistic evolution in it. And you've Eastern just, mysticism. <laughs> yeah, you've really just messed up. Because all of a sudden, you're not pointing them to Jesus or to the God of the Mm -hmm. Bible. You're pointing them to man's false theories and false theology, and then you're mixing the good message of the gospel in with that. So I think it's really important as crusaders for Christ, as people that are representing Christ in the earth, that we represent the story as it's written in the Bible, and that we ourselves really believe that story to be historically accurate. And if you don't believe it to be historically accurate, um, that's okay. It's okay if you still have doubts but get to the point where you recognize those doubts like Thomas Thomas doubted and Jesus said okay come let me show you put your hand in my side he doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. condemn us because of our unbelief he mm-hmm. oftentimes recognizes that we have unbelief and and his his disciples had a lot of unbelief but to me the whole reason for needing to somehow believe in evolution is lack of belief in God. If you have if you have very much faith in God at all, it's really easy to understand the the creation story. And if you can if you can understand the creation story, it makes the whole rest of the Bible easier to understand and vice versa. That's my thought on it. If you, if you don't uh, if you don't think that this is a, t- a topic that you should believe in, um, a lot of people would say, "Oh, I don't really want to I'm not even going to tune into this video. This is just more people out there talking about creation versus evolution. It's just a nonsensical argument. I don't really worry about that. I've got Jesus and that's good enough." Well, it's not really good enough if you have Jesus and then you don't believe what Jesus says. Jesus says that God created man and woman in the beginning and he created the earth um, just as, as it was recorded in Genesis. So
0: now that's a fair point. It really is. You know, people always fall back to, Oh, I, you know, I've got Jesus. That's all I need. It's like, well, it's a pretty thick book and uh, God wrote it for you. Uh, and he wants you to know what's in it. And if the first thing we're doing, is taking the glory and the honor that should be bestowed upon jesus as the creator and turning it over and giving it to a nonsensical naturalistic process Um, idolatry well i mean honestly caleb think of all the things that you've done in your life where you deserve credit for it because you've done something good and noble for your family or for friends and people you love. And what if uh, that was written off as, boy, I'm sure glad some naturalistic process, you know, over time accomplished all these great things. If my wife started telling everyone how grateful she was, you know, that nature provided and paid the mortgage, you know, and put food on the table for the last, you know, 15 plus years, uh, I hate to tell you, my feelings would be hurt because if that's the case, why am I getting up at 6 a.m. Right. every day for the last 15 years? You know, <clears throat> it, it it's really uh, it's really unfortunate that people don't see it as a problem. It's a form of idolatry. Uh, you know, And we talked about that last week. All right. Well, we are past an hour. I think we should call that good yep. and come back next week with a topic. TBD.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and I'm pretty sure next week. Um, I'm not sure how many viewers we have tonight. Oh, Super Bowl Sunday! For
0: Super Bowl Sunday, three viewers we're doing pretty, is good. pretty good. You know, I'm impressed. So, yeah. So, all right, we're gonna say good night. And we'll get back to you guys. We'll see you next Sunday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. And we will have something to talk about, I promise. We're going to figure out something that's going to be real controversial that no one's going to like. And we're going to get into it. So you guys have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.